I got a word that I want to share with you today. It's going to come from Matthew chapter 28, starting with verse 1. Matthew 28, we'll look from Matthew 28, 1 through 10. I'm also going to take a look at John chapter 19. But Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And the title of my message is, It's Finished, But It's Not Over. It is finished, but it is not over. Now, I have been to many houses and gone into many bedrooms where there's been somebody that has been dying on that bed. And I've never heard that person say it's finished before they took their last breath. I never heard the loved ones that were around that bed say it is finished. I've heard them say it's over. And what they were doing is saying basically there's no more pain. There are no more doctors. There's no more of the battle and the struggle of life and the sickness. It's over but I've never heard them say it is finished. However, when Jesus was on the cross, as we remembered on Friday, Good Friday, it tells us in John chapter 19, verse 28, it says, later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine was given there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And in verse 30 of chapter 19 of John, it says, And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, He didn't say it's over. He didn't say, I'm glad that, that I, I, this has ended and I can't take it anymore. He said with a confident spirit, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What does it mean? Spencer Berryman sent me a video telling me what Good Friday means to him, and I want you to see what he says. Good Friday represents the greatest achievement that a person could reach in their life because Jesus came to this earth with that one single purpose, um, to die on the cross and to save us all from our sins and to pay the debt that we, you know, added up. And he did that. And I heard this quote that said, you know, what a tragedy it is for a person to leave this earth without accomplishing what they were sent here to do. Um, so when I think about Good Friday, I'm just super inspired. And I hope that I can do the same thing, not literally, but, you know, reaching my, accomplishing what I've been sent here to do. <laughs> Thanks. He accomplished what he came to do. The whole purpose for Jesus coming was now completed 
And Spencer says it better than anybody that what he was born for, what Jesus was born for, was to go to that cross and die on that cross. And he died on the cross for our sin. He came to do miracles, to preach that the kingdom of God has come, and to go to the cross and die so that he would pay a debt for us that we could not pay, and he would pay a debt that he did not owe. And it was only with his sinless, precious blood that that debt could be paid. And he says when he died on that cross, it is finished. It fulfilled 300 prophecies in the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to Malachi. When he said it was finished, it meant all of the prophecies that were written about him all the way up until that death right there were fulfilled. But can I tell you something? As I was thinking about it is finished, I was thinking it is finished, but it is not over. When Jesus died on the cross and that moment his, his spirit left his physical body, yes, it was finished, but it wasn't over. What had to still happen? What had to still take place on Easter Sunday? Because what happened that day, for it to be over, has to happen on this Easter Sunday. So we're going to take a look at that in the scriptures. And I want you to see the passage of scripture in Matthew 28, verse 1, and it says, After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb and there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So, so they, they're going to the tomb and, and, and they have experienced this miserable death that he went through, this violent death that he went through. And they're heading to the tomb and they're probably a little disillusioned and they're going there because they, they have some ointment, they have perfume, they have something that they would use as an embalming over the cloth that he was wrapped in and he was laid on that stone. And, and, and they were going there hoping they could get in to be able to, to rub all of this ointment over him and, and over his dead body. 
And so, and so they, they, they remember this illusion. They remember what it was like as they, they watched him carry the cross. They saw his, his back that was split open. They saw the crown of thorns. They saw the blood that was running down his face. They saw, they heard the pounding of the nails that went into his hands. I mean, can, you know, one of my friends texted me recently and, and said, you know, did you ever think that when they took him down from the cross, what was that like after he died? Because the disciples took him down. And, and, and what was it like when they took him down from the cross? And, and can you imagine them pulling that, 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 that giant log out and the cross beam and, and putting it on the ground and there he's dead and there are nails in his hands. How did they get the nails out? How did they get the nails out of his feet, out of his hands? Can you imagine what it, the pain that they felt in their souls as they looked at him? They were disillusioned. I mean, Friday's experience was, was more than they could possibly, possibly grasp. It should have never happened. The liberator was now dead. And, and, and the disciples, the, the 11 of them, they weren't there with the women. The disciples were hiding out someplace. The disciples uh, probably thought that all that they had hoped in and believed in was now buried in the tomb with Jesus. But when, the, when those women got to the tomb, I don't know if it, they could feel the earthquake, but there was an earthquake that took place. And, and, and when they got to the tomb, I don't know if they saw the angel push back the stone. I don't know if they saw the soldiers fall to the ground as if they were dead men when this angel was bright as light was shining. And there were a couple angels there from another passage that is written about this experience. I don't know, but, but, but when they got there, the angel told them, don't be afraid. For you're looking for Jesus, the one who's been crucified, but I want you to know he's risen from the dead. And they went inside the tomb and they looked around. And when they looked around and they, they learned, they were thinking of all of the facts. There's the stones rolled away and the soldiers are laying there and, and they're like dead men. The, the, there's an angel that's shining bright. Uh, the grave clothes are folded up and, and put, stacked right here by, on the rock that he was laid on inside the tomb, you know. They, they knew the facts and the scriptures tell us in, in verse, in verse five, uh, to 8 it says so the women after he told them hurry back you're going to Jesus is going you're going to meet him over there and so the scriptures tell us in verse 8 so the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples do you, do you really think that, that they understood completely do you really think they realized, oh, our Savior is alive. Jesus is now breathing again. He has come back just as he promised. I don't know. I mean, they saw all the facts and, and, and even the disciples. Do you think they would have been willing to give their lives as they did after they saw him and were filled with the Spirit and lived their lives? Do you think they would have died for just the facts that he died, that, that he had died and risen from the dead? I don't know. I don't think it was, I don't, I don't, even though it was finished, I think there was still more that, that had to come. It still wasn't over for them. I mean, there are people that have, that have written books 
on, on the gospels of Jesus and on the Bible and commentaries and great scholars that have known all the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic and all of the languages and archaeology and they've known all the geography and they've known all of the context and, and they know all the facts. But they still have not had a heart-changing moment of truly coming to know Christ. There, 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 are, there are people that have, you might even believe that all of the facts, that it's a, the historical account is true, but you still haven't experienced him. See, it's over. It's over. It's finished, but it's not over. It's finished, but it's not over. It wasn't until they were on their way. It tells us in verse 8, and it says, So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. All of the sudden, they had this encounter, and all of the facts were now sealed with this encounter, and they personally now had a relationship with him. These women who were hurrying away were probably still disillusioned until that moment when he said, greetings, and they fell at his feet, and they clasped, and they began to worship him. Can I tell you? It's finished, but it's not over until we've had an encounter with him. It's finished and it's not over until we've come to know him personally as Lord and Savior. And that you, though you might know the facts and you have to know the facts and the facts are important and the scriptures are important to bring us to that relationship, but it's not over until there's this spiritual encounter where our spirit is connected with Christ's spirit and we know him and we know that we know and we've had an encounter with him. You see, without the encounter, it's, it's, it doesn't become personal. It doesn't change our hearts and our lives. My wife, who was praying, Gracie, she's from Switzerland and Holland, and shout out to all of our family in Switzerland and Holland, and God bless you guys. But she, when I first met her, told me how beautiful Switzerland was. And she showed me the mountains, and I looked at those pictures, I said, wow, that's, whew, that is beautiful. That's gorgeous. And, and, and she told, showed me pictures of cows on the mountains and villages that you could see. And you could see for miles and miles and miles and miles from a mountain. And they were snow-capped. And, I mean, I saw some of the different ski slopes and the gondolas that took people up that were the size of a bus. But you know what? I didn't truly know Switzerland. It wasn't until I went to Switzerland and my wife took me to one of those mountains. It wasn't until I heard the cows mooing and the bells shaking on their necks that I truly experienced the beauty of Switzerland. It wasn't until my foot hit a trail on that mountain and I began to walk and... 
I could smell the freshness and the trees and the mountains and I could smell it. It wasn't until I tasted the berries that were on some of the bushes. It wasn't until I heard the baying of sheep that I experienced it. It wasn't until I looked out at this incredibly gorgeous, surreal world of Switzerland and saw this beautiful blue lake in the cavity of mountains that were all around that I could truly, truly love it and experience it. And what I'm saying is the facts not enough you've got to have the encounter to say he existed and he lived that he rose from the dead is not enough you need an encounter your spirit connected with his spirit your life transformed by his wonderful presence that changes everything it's finished and it's not over though until you've encountered him personally there's something else that I want you to see. It's finished. It's not over until you've encountered him personally. But take a look what happens. Look at the reaction of the women. Look what it tells us in verse 9 again. Suddenly Jesus meant them greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. They clasped it. They grabbed his, his feet. They, they took his, they were down. They bowed down before him. They didn't say, oh, give me a high five, Jesus, you did it. Yeah, you, you did what you said you were going to do. All right, that's great. No, they didn't just hug him because he was dead and now all of a sudden he's alive and said, we, we missed you. We thought you were dead forever. No. I've, I've seen, and one of the, the, the best experiences is, is watching a soldier, a Marine, somebody from the military that's been in a, a war-torn area and they come home to meet with their family and their family, their children, their husband, the wife, the parents, the grandparents, the friends, they, they come and, and literally they've been bracing, they're crying all together, they're crying. Little kids, I've watched the, the soldier pick up their child and just hold the child and the child starts to cry, a teenager starts to cry their eyes out. Out, and they hold each other. They hold each other. And I can tell you that there are moments when that happens when I cry my eyes out too. It's the most beautiful thing. But you know what they don't do? They don't bow down, grab their feet, and worship them. Why? Because they're not God. They grab them and pull them to them because they missed them and they were praying for them and they were scared and they are so happy to see them and they're glad they're home and they're alive and they're well. But they don't worship them. But in this passage here, when these women grabbed a hold of Jesus, it wasn't just we're glad that you're alive and you're not dead anymore. It's you are the son of God. You are the living one. When they grabbed him, they realized this is the savior of the world and everything that he spoke all the way up until that moment that he took his last breath on that cross, which people thought was foolishness, has been now sealed as truth forever. 
and they worshiped him knowing it. I love what Philippians says, the Apostle Paul speaking to a church in Philippi. I read it, I think, this week or last week. And, and, and he was trying to say, you know, we need to have this kind of attitude. And he talked about how Jesus was a servant and he died, even died all the way. He came from heaven, walked on this earth, was a servant, died on a cross. But, but, and he said, we got to have that attitude that we're willing to die. We're willing to put someone else's interests above our own. But this is what was applied to him that can't be applied to us. And it tells us this in verse Verse 9, therefore, in Philippians chapter 2, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue confess, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That cannot be applied to anyone else. They realize he is God. It's when we have an encounter with him that we realize there is none like him. There is none that have given their lives and, and when they didn't have to give their life. There's none that have died and they didn't have to die, but they died. There's none that have died in our place, but he died. He took the wrath of God that should have been directed to us. But he took the wrath of God. And as they grabbed him, they were worshiping, saying, this is the Son of God. Yeah, it's, it's giving him all authority to worship him as saying, Lord, be the center of my life. Lord, you're, you're the most important person in my life. You know, when a child grabs flowers and picks flowers, dandelions, weeds, Brings a caterpillar. Some kids bring a bee home. Maybe a snake in a jar. You know what? They bring it to mom. Mom, mom, this is for you. Why? Because that mom is the most important person in that child's life. And, and, and that child is giving, giving what, he, what she thinks is, is the most special thing in the world. I can remember when I was a kid and it was it, Christmas time, you know, you get money and you get some money from your family and stuff. And of course, I spent my money. I was a little, I don't know if I was 7, 11, I don't know how old I was. But there was a place called Buyer's Fair. I saved up my money. My mom, on the 20th of February, that was her birthday. And so I remember saving my money up and I kept it in a jar. And of course, I spent some of it. But I had this jar, a bag of, you know, change and I had I had a, a wad of dollar bills in my pocket and and I was so excited because I walked in the buyer's fair my mom's birthday I'm gonna get her the best thing in this place because I got all this money and I found a picture and I ah, it's that's what I want to get her and I brought it to the counter and I and I and I said this is my mom's birthday and I'm getting her, I'm getting her this, I'm getting her this. And, and I remember I, I pulled out my change and we started counting the pennies and the nickels and the dimes. And, the, and then I pulled out the dollars and they counted them all up, right? And, and the lady's like, oh, I was way short, didn't have enough. But the ladies that were at the counter said, we'll take care of it. Bring that home to your mom. 
And when I got home with that picture and I gave it to her, she had a smile on her face. And I, I gave everything because I, well, I love my mom. She was the most important person in my life. Can I tell you? When you come to encounter Jesus and you know who he is, what he's done and what he's given, the sacrifice that he's made, you can't help but worship him. You can't give him everything, give him your heart, give him your life, give him authority. Know that he has the right direction. His will and plan is perfect and surrender completely to him. And that's what they were doing there. And the truth is, it's finished, but it's not over until we've encountered him. It's finished and it's not over until we've worshiped him and made him the center of our lives worship him can I say one last thing it's finished and it's not over until you do what Jesus told them to do you take a look at the passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 28 verse 10 it says the then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. It wasn't over just for them to encounter him. It wasn't over just for them to know that he's the Lord, to worship the Lord. It wasn't over until they went and they told the disciples who were hiding out that Jesus is alive. He's going to meet you in Galilee. It wasn't over until they began to tell. Go tell. You know, at the birth of Jesus, it tells us that the shepherds, when they heard the angels singing, they went to where Jesus was born and they saw everything. And you know what they did? The shepherds went out and told everybody about it. We got that song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. When you've experienced him as Lord and Savior of your life, when you've experienced the forgiveness of sin, when you've come to know that he is the Son of God, that he is not dead, our God is alive. When you know that he is risen and that he took the pain and punishment, that you are clean and you have a future. And he did it all for you. You can't help but do what they did. It isn't over until you go tell. Go tell somebody about it. You don't need to be ashamed of being a Christian. You don't need to be ashamed to know that you found forgiveness of sin. You don't need to be ashamed that you have a relationship with the living God and you've encountered him. Go tell somebody. Why be ashamed of what has brought you the greatest joy in your life? Why be ashamed of the one that has given you a purpose to live? Go tell somebody. Forgiveness, cleansing, a transformed heart, a new life, a joy that passes all understanding, a peace that transcends all of our troubles. You don't need to be ashamed of it. Go tell them what Jesus did for you. 
Go share the good news of the gospel. They went and told. And when the disciples found out, they went and told. And they told, and today the gospel has traveled around the world and is continuing to go to the remotest parts of the world so that people can put their trust in a living Savior. Go tell it. Go tell the people that are bound by habits and have been bound and they're enslaved to it and they love it and hate it. They can't get free. It's a treble hook that has grabbed a hold of them and it's got them. Go tell them. Go tell people whose lives are falling apart because their marriage is falling apart right now. Jesus saves. Jesus is alive. Jesus can give you new life. Jesus can mend this relationship and give you a new one. Go tell them. It's not over until you go tell them. It's not over until we go tell it. And go tell them that, listen, go tell them that, that he wants to meet. That's what they said. Jesus said, go tell them I want to meet with them. You know what you should tell them? Jesus wants to meet with you. No, we're not nuts. Jesus has met with us. Jesus wants to meet with you. And once you've met with him, your life will never be the same. Aren't you glad we can celebrate what Jesus did? It's finished, but it's not over. It's not over until we encounter. It's not over until he becomes number one and we worship him. It's not over until we begin to tell. There's more. I'll tell you more about it's not over, but it's finished next week. But for today, have you encountered him? Are you worshiping him? Are you telling others about what he's done for you? I'm 54 years old. But this message is not just for 54-year-olds. This message is from the birth of little babies until the last breath of the 100-year-old. for everybody. Some of our children right now, they're maybe three, four, five years old. They give me, on Sunday when they're here, they, they can't leave until they give me a, give me a hug. I got it. And, and I, the adults are saying, hang on. I don't care who I'm surrounded with. I don't care who's here. That five-year-old's waiting for pastor. It's, it's for her. It's for you. He loves you. You can encounter him, and you probably have. And too bad we, 54-year-olds, aren't more like you, four and five and six-year-olds, to believe in Jesus and just love him. 
It's for everyone. Have you encountered him? Are you worshiping him? Are you telling him? It's not over until then. Let's pray. Lord, it's finished, but it's not over. It's not over until we've had an encounter with you, the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You want to personally meet with us. It's not over until then. You want us to come into your presence. Thank you, Lord. We can't get in to maybe get an autograph by Tom Brady. though. He's a great guy, but we could never get in to get an autograph from him in his personal chambers. Lord, there are favorite actors and actresses that are just incredible at doing their craft. We could never even make a phone call to connect. We'll never get a text message from any of them. But you, Lord, you invite us into your presence. And that's why that veil was ripped in two in the Holy of Holies so everybody and anybody could come. God, help us to continue to have an encounter with you. If you need an encounter, you've not had it yet. You know all the facts and you've never committed. Today's the day. Would you invite him into your heart? Easter is at your home right now. The risen Jesus is right there standing. Invite him into your life. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit. I worship you. And I make you the center of my life. I'm yours. I'm yours. And I'm going to tell everybody. In your wonderful name, Lord. Father, have your hands now upon each and every one. All of the people, all of the friends, all of the family, Lord. Every person from every church that might be watching, Lord, that will see this video even after it's, it's done and being live. Lord God, may they grow strong in you and may they continue to know that they can have an encounter and may they continue to have an encounter every day of their life. And may you be the center, God. We're putting you at the center. We're worshiping you as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Wrap our arms around you. Thank you, Lord. Hey, Lord, we're, we're going to tell. We're going to tell our family. We're going to tell our friends. We're going to tell them so that they can have what you've given us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're a wonderful God.
And we give you praise today. We give you praise. God bless you. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our website, cfc818.org. Share a note with us. We love you. We're praying for you. You're special to us. You're really special to the Lord. Go in God's peace. God bless you.